0: Welcome to the Witcher Lorecast, where we take a look into the vast universe of the Witcher, such as the games, books, shows, and so much more. Welcome back, Witchers, to the Witcher Lorecast. I am one of your hosts, Ben of Temeria, and always with me is my awesome other host, Toasty. How you doing? Hello! (laughs)
1: It's a new year.
0: It is a new year. We are back from our two-week hiatus because holidays are a thing, and we are back. And also, it's nice to just
1: take a break sometimes. Yes. Especially whenever you've been doing podcasts for uh, fucking two and a half years and realize that you never actually took a break. (laughs) Right,
0: yeah, that, and you know, or... Me coming off of hey, let's take a break. Cool, because I also do three other shows because yes. Because, <laughs> because, you're because crazy. it's it, hey, hey, it's okay. I mean it, I is it's not my full time job, but it's still fun.
1: I mean I started doing them for fun. I mean I was just kinda like in it's funny. I I didn't realize this is the thing, but I heard a, I heard it recently that like there was the like COVID podcast forming like like uh, trend like a whole bunch of people just like because started podcast so during the bored. pandemic.
0: Yeah, I mean that's fair.
1: That's, and to be fair, that's kind of what I did. But you know, I'm still having a good time. Yeah, you know? but still so, a lot of times. Sometimes a break <laughs> is needed. Oh, absolutely.
0: But uh, we are back this week with another Bestiary episode. And Toasty, what monster are we diving into?
1: Um, well, we're going to try not to dive into this one um, specifically because we're talking about arch spores, and I feel like if you dive into them, they're, you're dead. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. yes. And if you don't know
0: what an arch spore is... Uh, go look it up or just listen to this episode because it's something you could easily miss as a monster and mm-hmm. not realize it.
1: Yeah. Yep. So, but to be fair, they aren't just exclusive to one expansion. So this is true. So once we get that Witcher 1 remake, you may become even more
0: acquainted with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll probably be even more terrifying in that one probably because uh oh, witcher yeah. one they weren't like oh that's what that is
1: meh it was like these A things blob. looked like real like creepy and tentacly no they weren't blobs they were Aren't like they? weird like tendrils oh okay it was freaky weird low res low like low quality graphic tendrils which are the most terrifying kind you don't believe me go play lethal company and you'll (laughs) (laughs)
0: uh that's a flashback
1: all right (laughs) fucking lethal company is fucking wild um but yeah anyways let's get into these arch spores uh and starting off like we always do a bestiary entry but the bestiary entry from the witcher one uh, some crimes are so terrible that they fill people with terror and offend the gods. The criminal's ill will and the cruelty of his deed conceive a curse that brings the arch sports life. The beast attacks innocent creatures hatefully, trying to take vengeance until justice is done.
0: Yeah. Um, if you do a crime that even the gods are uh, offended by... You did something wrong.
1: Yeah, so it's weird, This, but, like, this is uh, a, a curse-born monster, um, which we don't often come across a lot of those. Um, you know, we can botchlings and uh, throw those in there, so.
0: Yeah, werewolves.
1: Yeah, so, but yeah anyways uh as far as the witcher one uh they occur or sorry archfors grow in places where particularly cruel crimes have been committed or on the tombs of the victims of such crimes which is cra- imagine like your loved one gets like brutally murdered right mm-hmm. like 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 sadistically murdered like, shit that you can't even talk about because it's so bad. And then, like, you inter them, you know, give them a nice, like, a nice, like, grave or tomb. uh, And then you want to just go pay them a visit, and then you just get eaten by a fucking plant.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that, hmm. Yeah, there's, that, that's, I mean... I don't even know. I don't have words to describe that. That That's just sad and terrifying at the same time.
1: Hey, sad and terrifying is what I'm good at. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll let them figure that one out. Um, but they are, in fact, immune to all mind effects, fear, stun, and the Axie sign. They feel no pain and cannot be poisoned, blinded, knocked down, or bled to death. I wonder why. And maybe because it's a plant. And probably because it's a plant. Um, they are, however, susceptible to silver. Um, imagine that. But also very susceptible to incineration attempts. What? No way. Plants
0: don't like fire?
1: I know. It's crazy, <laughs> right? Um, as for their tactics, uh, they shoot poisoned thorns nothing too complex about them um you can loot uh arch spore juice and spores from them uh and they can be found in the swamp caramoran valley with or caramoran valley with the price of neutrality module now as far as information goes on them um you can uh It's we've talked about her before. It's the same lady that will ask you for the mug of beer or milk and can tell you about basilisk, wyverns, and arch spores. We've talked about her before. (laughs) So you can talk to her, give her a mug of beer or milk, and she'll tell you about them eventually. It seems like that's the last one that she will tell you about, though, Um you Geralt must exit and then re enter the inn or meditate after each tale to speak to her again. Um in order to get like each different entry that she has. And you can also find information in the book, Curses and the Cursed. Um yeah. It's, it's, it's just, just so, so weird that you
0: you have to give her milk or uh or beer beer to get Bestiary entry like that has to be some of the most random knowledge that a random townsperson would have.
1: <sighs> the thing, right? The thing that's weird about it is it is like there's two things that are pretty similar, and then one thing that's just fucking like off the wall. Like, there's yeah, basilisk right. and wyverns, which it's like, are okay. They're
0: reptilian.
1: They're both tight. dragonids, yeah. like whatever. But then there's archvors which is a completely different thing. Yep, a little weird um, some notes are that the arch spore remains will not contain arch spore juice unless you have their best entry and early in the game torches are a quicker and safer anti arch spore weapon than Geralt's swords each hit will stun it and occasionally incinerate it which I guess can stun it even though it's immune to stun yeah that,
0: that's true
1: Hmm. It's a little weird. weird. 2000, 2007
0: game mechanics, everyone.
1: Yeah, it'd be like that. Um. Uh. But anyways, that's it for Witcher One. Uh. Now we move on to Witcher Three: Blood and Wine, specifically, uh, where we can encounter these things again. Uh, and we have a much bigger uh bestiary entry this time. You wrote it like a paper
0: li- on it. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> I mean these the Witcher 3 bestiary entries are usually pretty damn long. True. Um but they're hilarious sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Uh looks like a flower to me. A hideous disgusting flower. Blasco Tinnerby?
0: Tinnerba? Tinnerba?
1: Yeah, Bay. Last words.
0: Last words. Last words. Right there. There he is.
1: Archspores look like gigantic, aesthetically unpleasing flowers with some of the traits of exceptionally cruel and bloodthirsty sundews. They are, however, far more dangerous than even the most colossal sundew. Their peculiar appearance makes them practically impossible to discern amidst other plants. By the time one draws close enough to realize what they are, it is often too late. According to popular belief, arch spores are cursed plants grown in soil fertilized by the blood of the dying. They are most often found in places which, in the past, saw pogroms, bloody rituals, or cruel murders. Maybe that's why, in Witcher One, they're in the they're in care in and around Camoran.
0: Hmm, because kids it's, keep
1: exploding, and they just people keep. Orgraming the wolf school. That's true too. They have, they, they have double pogrom in their history. <laughs> Four types of arch spore have been cataloged to date, differing from one another in terms of coloring. Brown, the least dangerous. Green and purple, the most dangerous. The final variant said to have been cultivated by mages from Bannard, of course. Is the yellow arch sport whose strength is similar to that of its green colored cousins?
0: I swear,
1: if Stregobor was a part of this, probably he's always a part of the bad shit from Van bro. <laughs> right? It's always him, he's a fucking dick. Uh, check out our episode on Stregobor, the douchebag wizard. <laughs> you haven't already, right? Yes, that's the title of the episode. Uh, Regardless of color, all arch spores fight using similar methods, attacking with powerful jaw-like leaves. If their victim is out of reach, they can also spray caustic acid, which if it makes any contact whatsoever with the skin, can provoke a reaction similar to that caused by severe poisoning. Like other plants, all arch spores are extremely vulnerable to fire, which is one of the most effective methods of fighting them. Silver also works well, as does any sort of shockwave. Archspores do not like strong vibrations, which cause them to flee underground at once. Due to the nature of their origins, oil damaging to cursed beings can also be useful against them.
0: So use fire. (laughs) Use fire and bombs, because those work. And Ard.
1: And Ard. Eh. yeah. But I think that just makes them flee. Um, But if you haven't figured this out yet, uh, they are of the class Cursed One. Um, They only occur in Toussaint as part of the Blood and Wine expansion. They're susceptible to Cursed Oil, Ard, and Igni. And you can loot Archspore Juice, Archspore Tendril, Infused Dust, Green Mutagen, Monster Spore, Venom Extract, and Water Essence from them. So not as fun as Ice Giants.
0: No. Or uh, wasn't it uh, slizards? Was it slizards? Mm, we did? Slizards. That was like literally have every single
1: Monster Tongue, <laughs> Monster Tooth, Monster Claw, <laughs> Monster
0: Eye, Monster... Literally every single monster material known to man in one yeah. freaking thing.
1: The guy, I'm... <laughs> That was so fun to say, though, those few times. (laughs) Uh, Now, it's actually pretty impressive. There is a lot of information on how to fight these fuckers.
0: I mean, it makes sense, because these things are annoying as hell.
1: Yeah. So, as for combat tactics, arch spores have several deadly techniques. From a distance, they shoot venom that not only causes substantial damage, but also deals additional poison damage after striking. Their pods can explode, releasing an explosive poison that deals extremely high damage, but no lingering poison damage. The creature will also lunge forward if you get too close. They also have an ability to quickly sink into the ground and sprout from any nearby pods currently on the ground. They will do this if you manage to land several attacks in a row, three fast attacks, for example, and will leave a pod where they sank into the ground. If you don't immediately roll away, it will explode in your face like the other pods do. Fighting more than one can be very tricky, as the arch spores you aren't currently attacking will use its ranged attacks to interrupt you as you try to kill its buddy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hence hence what I said. These things... These sons of bitches are annoying as hell. Yeah. Oh, I hate uh, these should, things.
1: should it stick its head underground, it will summon explosive pods, but also become vulnerable. Run directly at it while the pods appear, and once you've closed the distance, hit it three times with strong attacks. And arch Arch-Sport will retreat into the ground after three hits, so you'll want to make them count. If time allows, position yourself behind it to increase the likelihood of landing critical hits to maximize your damage. Should it stay above ground and shoot poison globs at you, use the roll to dodge the globs. Rolling will allow you to move forward and close the distance, but a forward dash dodge will be struck anyway. Once you roll into close range, the arch spore will immediately strike with a lightning fast melee attack that will interrupt any of your attacks or signs. So directly after your roll dash dodge to the side, this is this. So blood and wine was kind of the expansion where they were like, they tried to go more like lean heavier into like the dark souls fighting kind of shit. More or less.
0: Yeah. Cause I remember, I remember fighting these things in groups and I remember fighting, um, whatever the freaking um, centipede things are, um, whatever, I can't remember, something more. of Scolopendermos. Yeah, those. Those things are annoying, fighting, because there's a quest you do where you have to literally kill, like, five of them all at once, and that's a mm-hmm. pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're, this expansion makes you use, it's like, if you never used dodge roll before, you're using it now.
1: <laughs> I think a lot of people use dodge roll, but I don't think many people knew, like, the dash dodge. Like, yeah, that's what I mean. And, like, and, like, you in base game it's never brought like you it doesn't matter you don't really to choose it. to do like like except for, like rare instances or whatever but like this expansion they were like like there's a in this fight you use your dash dodge for certain things and you use a roll dodge for certain other things and you have to like be mindful which is like <laughs> which, you're which supposed to use you use the time or you get fucked up um and then we bring in counter uh <laughs> Ah, uh, then, counter with one fast attack to stun it before it attacks again, one strong attack, and one use of slightly charged rend for maximum damage. If you don't have rend, just use a strong attack instead. See what I mean? There's fucking certain combinations you gotta do. Uh, when it retreats, back away from the center to explode pod, and repeat the process. Multiple arch spores are a bit trickier. While you're trying to deal with one, the other can pelt you with poison and interrupt your attacks, giving the Spore you're currently after the chance to whack you with its melee and build up damage quickly, so you'll need to immobilize one. The Dancing Star Bomb will do very little damage, but the burning will keep an Arch Spore occupied long enough for you to approach and strike its buddy using the tactics detailed. Bomb one, attack the other, keep the fires burning until there's only one left, and then eliminate the survivor. If you manage to it's 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 ridiculous.
0: <laughs> just burn them all until one's left and then annihilate that one. <laughs> just burn
1: them. Like you just leave it at that. <laughs> if you manage to destroy the pods, the Arch Spore will be unable to escape while you mash attack, but so many pods tend to spawn that this usually isn't an option. As for your signs, they're surprisingly ineffective in this fight. Aideny will set a plant alight, but also causes them to relocate in order to smother the flames which puts you back where you started, with very little damage dealt. Uh, dancing Starfires will not cause it to relocate. Ard will knock a plant back and give you a chance to attack, but you won't be able to get it off before dodging its melee strike. And once you've dodged the melee strike, it's open to sword strikes anyway, rendering the sign pointless. This isn't the case if you have a long range on it. Uh, as that will let you stagger a Spore from outside its melee range, so if you have that perk, make use of it. Also, use Golden Oriole. Uh, lots of poison in this fight. will protect you from the majority of the damage dealt by the Poison Spit, and if you have the superior version, uh, you'll be able to slurp up the poison for free, uh, take massive heals, and turn the fight into a jump Yeah. You don't have to use any of these tactics if you have superior golden oriole because, like, all of their shit is just the poison attacks from range, so you can just beat up one (laughs) and then move on to a different one. Yep. Or just just burn them all. Just just burn them all. Yeah. By far, out of all the bestiary entries I've done, the most in-depth. Yeah. um... Which makes a lot of sense because I haven't talked about blood and wine monsters (laughs) yet. That's true. This is very true. We,
0: ha- yeah, that's right. We haven't, except for
1: like maybe named ones,
0: but like, eh. true. Yeah. But yeah, that that's a lot, and I'm honestly shocked. There's that much to go freaking detail in combat for these things. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Just wait till whenever we actually get to Squadron Penta <laughs> There'll probably be as much info on that as this.
1: I think I already did. Did we? Did you? Did you and Tom already do that? I feel like I did. I don't know why. I kind of, you know what? Give me an answer in like three seconds. Skull or centipede? Giant centipede
0: oh okay there you have it well go, did go, it. go and listen to the giant centipede episode it was one one
1: paragraph it was one paragraph one paragraph best way to deal with the giant centipede is the earth inside and trap
0: oh all right once well. it
1: once hit several times it'll curl into a loop make sure you roll away there you go <laughs> that's it easy wow. easy peasy
0: now these things apparently are more difficult alright well we're, there you have it for that if you want to learn more about the giant centipedes or a squadron squ- uh, w- blah, 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 blah. words words are hard and I don't, I don't have Tom's cue where the words are hard thing it's fine it was a dumb fucking cue <laughs> <laughs> alright well uh, at that point we are going to take a quick break very well let us get this over with something has infested my vineyard
1: Hmm. Great. Let me go prepare my something oil then.
0: All right. Welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about everything with the show that has nothing to do with the lore of the Witcher. And here I want to thank all of our patrons supporting us. Thank you all. Um, I'm trying to see how many we actually have. Um, 19. 19 Thank all nineteen of you. Is that uh, correct? Uh, I hang.
1: What? I was guessing that wasn't that wasn't factual information.
0: Eleven. Okay. Well, you're okay. close. Eleven. Oh, it does right at the top of this page. Um, thank all <laughs> eleven of you. <laughs> hey, it, it's all good. Reading's tough. Okay. Um, but thank all 11 of you, especially thanks, uh, Jared M of higher vampire who gets a shout out on every episode. And if you want to become a patron, uh, go to patron.com slash where you can get ad free episodes or even join us at the end of the month, uh, of a topic of your choosing. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the last patron chat, uh, we talked about our, was it least thankful
1: characters, no, it was, was, it, was it? it was it was I couldn't remember. Uh, it's been a while. Best deaths, worst Beth deaths, deaths most tragic deaths. Right. Oh, a lot of yes. death. We need to get off with of death. Yes, yeah,
0: right. <laughs> I forgot about Proper that. Proper wish
1: for fashion.
0: <laughs> I mean yes. Uh and then uh if you also you can also support the show by leaving a five star review on Apple, uh on Apple Podcasts or leave a comment uh with some nice words on Spotify which we actually do have some Spotify comments. We have one on the Witcher lore School of the Wolf episode, which always are, well, Toasty and Tom's six episode that they did uh, from Tyler N. Uh, amazing. Learned so much about one of my favorite franchises and having to laugh while I do. Couldn't ask for better. Keep up the awesome work.
1: Thanks.
0: And then we do have... A comment on our uh, characters we're thankful for. And by Shinecrone 668 uh, our man Regis didn't get any love. Shame. It's like, well, yeah, that's fair. It's
1: hard to remember everyone sometimes.
0: It is. It is. It's, it is very hard to remember the one only friendly vampire that we really get in, uh, introduced to because every other vampire we see we kill mm-hmm. game wise and then in blood and wine that aren't terrible but so aren't die. terrible meh <clears throat> Uh Fair. and then uh you can also find us on the a few different Discord servers, the Robots Radio Discord and the Ben and Friends podcasting Discord. Both links are in the show notes provided. Um and yeah, I think I think that's it for the midbreak. Do you have anything else to add, Toasty? Um Potato.
1: Potato. That's there it. you go.
0: Potato and Toasty's Electric New lighter that he's playing with
1: um i'm i have adhd okay it's fine <laughs> i'm allowed to play with lighters
0: <laughs> super random but okay hey electric it's not light-
1: random that's why i play with the lighter binge.
0: <laughs> electric lighters are cool <laughs> you
1: don't have to refill yeah. them
0: every single time
1: <laughs> i just have to charge it
0: yeah which is better but anyway let's get back into more monster lore
1: You smell of death and destiny, heroics and
0: heartbreak. It's onion. Right? Yeah. All right. We are back, and of course, with you know our second half of our bestiary episodes, we go into real world mythology. And mm-hmm. where is this taking us this time? Since we're mainly dealing with a plant, so
1: this is a weird one, um, because like I'm assuming like a lot a lot of this is based off of just like the existence of carnivorous plants, like in real life, you know, uh, Venus flytraps, uh, the pitcher plant, like stuff like that. Um, so. It was kind of like a weird thing to research because I'm you know I'm not about to sit here and tell you about plants that exist. Um but I managed to actually find a bit of weird stuff whenever I was googling mythological carnivorous plants. Um so I can share that. Um it's it's a it's a little it's a little weird. Um But anyways, uh, there's a couple different things here. Uh, But first off, we have the Madagascar tree. Uh, So the earliest known report of a man-eating plant originated as a literary fabrication written by Edmund Spencer for the New York World. Spencer's article first appeared in the Daily Edition of the New York World on 26 April 1874. And appeared again in the weekly edition of the newspaper two days later. In the article, a letter was published by a purported German explorer named Karl Lecha. Uh, Lecha, I don't know. Lecha. I don't German. I think that's like Spanish though. Uh, I'm gonna say Karl Leach or Lecha. There we go who provided a report on encountering a sacrifice performed by the Nkoto tribe of Madagascar. This story was picked up by many other newspapers of the day, which included the South Australian Register of uh, on 27th October 1874, where it gained even greater notoriety, describing the tree, the account related the slender delicate palpi, with the fury of starved serpents quivered a moment over her head over her head then as if instinct with demoniac demoniac intelligence fastened upon her in sudden coils round and round her neck and arms then while her awful screams and yet more awful laughter rose wildly to be instantly strangled down again into a gurgling moan. The tendrils, one after another, like great green serpents, uh, with brutal energy and infernal rapid rapidity, rose, retracted themselves, and wrapped her about in fold after fold, ever tightening with cruel swiftness and savage tenacity of anacondas fastening upon their prey.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so it was a fucking serpent tree that like crushed a woman to death. I guess.
0: I guess that that's okay. That's this is. I yeah. Uh, I can see where you meant where this is going weird.
1: <laughs> it's it's a little strange, you know. um The hoax was given further publicity by Madagascar, land of the man-eating tree a book by Chase Osborne, who had been a governor of Michigan. Osborne claimed that both the tribes and missionaries on Madagascar knew about the hideous tree, repeated the above uh, Lecha account, and acknowledged, I do not know whether this tigerish tree really exists or whether the stories, blood-curdling stories about it are pure myth. It is enough for my purpose if its story focuses your interest upon one of the least known spots in the world. Yeah. What? Uh, Basically, one, a politician governor, gets bored and just writes a book about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, governor of Michigan wrote a book and said, "I just appreciate the Madagascar's getting some attention." <laughs> That's pretty much what he said. What? The? Um. But in his 1955 book, Salamanders and Other Wonders, science science author Willie Lee. Arleigh determined that the Mkoto tribe, Carlicia, and the Madagascar man-eating tree all appeared to be fabrications. The facts are pretty clear by now. Of course the man-eating Tree does not exist. There is no such tribe.
0: I mean sure, but you don't know. How would you know?
1: I'm assuming he went to To Madagascar. Madagascar and to find out.
0: Oh, okay. I guess I guess that's plausible too.
1: I mean, it was 1955. You can go to Madagascar. True. You could. Yeah. So that that's that's the Madagascar tree. Um, there's also uh, the Yataveo. Uh, so in James W. Buell's Sea and Land, 1889, the Yataveo plant is described as being native to Africa and South America, so named for producing a hissing sound similar to the Spanish phrase Yataveo, uh, or now I see you, which is fucking terrifying.
0: Yeah, let me just go in this forest and you start hearing this hissing that says here now I see. Now I see you. I
1: see you. <laughs> um and having poisonous spines that resemble many huge serpents and an angry discussion, occasionally darting from side to side as if striking at an imaginary foe, which sees and pierce any creature coming within reach.
0: Yeah, no. Th- okay, this is literally just, I don't know why, but the uh, image of Predator just comes to mind for some reason. Hidden in the forest and like out of nowhere kills you. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Not like predator resembles a plan or anything. Oh, was, a, was a, what?
1: <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's it's interesting. It's fucking interesting. Which this I will say, I'm more inclined to believe this because there's some there's some of the Spanish like Spanish myths that fucking scare the shit out of me, and I know that are real. So, like, I'm just, uh-uh. I don't know. I don't fuck with it. Like, you know you know about La Llorona? No. Ben? No? It's, like, the Lady in White?
0: Oh, that... Okay, then now that... Saying Lady in White just... It's, it's,
1: like, their version of, the, like, the Lady in White myth, basically. She, like, drowned her children in the river. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, got drowned by her husband or something mm-hmm. um, because of it. And now, like, she goes around weeping for her lost children. Uh fucking encountered that shit during hurricane harvey bro i don't fucks with that straight up straight up we were staying in my friend's house um and like typically they say that she only shows up around like sources of water or whatever this shit was fucking flooded to all hell because of the hurricane but like straight up middle of the night we just hear like a screaming crying coming outside our door uh and it was just like mm-hmm nope i'm my, good my my brother-in-law who was staying downstairs refused to stay downstairs at <laughs> night anymore he stayed up in his in the room with his like with uh my other like brother and sister-in-law uh and their baby slept <laughs> on like, the floor nope he was today terrified i was like oh uh-uh, fuck that. you don't know, fucks with that and you know, fucks Dear with god that. Um, But moving on to the last uh, instance here, um, the Vampire Vine. William Thomas Stead, editor of Review of Reviews, published a brief article in October 1891 that discussed a story found in Lucifer magazine describing a plant in Nicaragua called by the natives the Devil's Snare.
0: Hmm. Sound familiar to you, been. It does sound familiar to me, huh?
1: <laughs> this plant had the capability to drain the blood of any living thing which comes within its death-dealing touch. According to the article, Mr. Dunstan, naturalist, who has recently returned from Central America, where he spent nearly two years in the study of flora and of the flora and the fauna of the country, relates... Yeah, Central America. I was like, wait did I say that right? Um, relates the finding of a singular growth in one of the swamps which surround the Great Lakes of Nicaragua. He was engaged in hunting for botanical and entomological specimens, which he heard his when he heard his dog cry out as if in agony from a distance. Running to the spot whence the animal's cries came from, Mr. Mr. Dunson, I can't fucking talk. Mr. Dunstan found him enveloped in a perfect network of what seemed to be a fine rope-like tissue of roots and fibers. The native servants who accompanied Mr. Dunstan manifested the greatest horror of the vine, which they call the Devil's Snare, and were full of stories of its death-dealing powers. He was able to discover very little about the nature of the plant, Owing to the difficulty of handling it, for its grasp can only be torn away with the loss of skin and even of flesh. But as near as Mr. Dunstan could ascertain, its power of suction is contained in a number of infinitesimal mouths or little suckers, which, ordinarily closed, open for the reception of food. If the substance is animal, the blood is drawn off, and the carcass or refuse then dropped.
0: That's fucking terrifying.
1: Yeah, it (laughs) is. It takes
0: a whole new thing of devil's (laughs) snare. So if anybody doesn't know already, I am one of the hosts of the Wizarding World lore cast. So all things Wizarding World and Harry Potter... And obviously, if you have watched her, like even the first film, you know Devil's Snare is a magical plant in the Wizarding World. Well, if you aren't staying still in it, this stuff literally straight up strangles and kills you. And in Hogwarts Legacy, like just walking in it, like your health starts getting depleted. So it's essentially the like J.K. Rowling and the Wizarding World literally just took this. And just hey, let it move on its own. Have it have Mm -hmm. its mind of itself.
1: Nope. I'm good. That's fucking ugh. Like it strips you. Like no. No thanks. Mm -mm. Nope. An investigation of Stead's review determined no such article was published in the October issue of Lucifer, and concluded that the story in review of reviews appeared to be a fabrication by the editor. The story in fact appeared in the September issue, preceded by a longer version and an eighteen eighty-nine newspaper describing Dunstan as a well known naturalist from New Orleans.
0: All right. Um there you go with mythology. I mean, one of the three is actual like mythology, where the other two are more like fictions.
1: Of, it's not even really mythology. It's all like made like it's all it's like, all articles that people wrote. It's you know? like that,
0: so, how do we get more views for our magazines and papers? Let's make something up. I mean, and that mm-hmm. tends to happen a lot, especially during the the like eighteen hundreds and like. The early 1900s before, like, for Google existed. Well, before the internet, I mean, the internet didn't exist until like what the 1990s, really. Um, yeah, but even before that, like, news reporting wasn't as uh, detailed as it is nowadays. Yeah, back then, uh, like, oh, if you don't have anything to write about, make something up.
1: What, what what trouble. are you going to do
0: fat track to me like you can't do that because you can't prove it.
1: It's so. still just that's some creepy ass. It's, story, it's cre- Yeah.
0: It, oh, absolutely. Now I have a whole new thing when I now I, like look at double snare when I play Hogwarts Legacy. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Close your mouths. Close the- <laughs> get away from me. <laughs> It's like I'm good. I'm not gonna go near this.
1: Yeah, and if anybody does have like any other like like mythological like references for carnivorous plants and such, uh, shoot them our way in the Discord. I'd be interested in finding. Oh um, yeah, definitely. Based on my research, it was less mythological, more fan fiction. This. yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess basically, it's yeah.
0: essentially, right. <laughs> But yeah. So uh before we head out, Toasty, anything you want to shout out?
1: Um, you can catch me doing the Cyberpunk lore cast, same as usual, as well as the Cyberpunk Red Live Play podcast. Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk Apostrophe D, um, that I do with the Fumbling for an Almighty Crit Game. Yep, and you can find me <laughs>
0: On my other shows, the Holocron Histories, the Final Fantasy Lorecast, and the Wizarding World lore casts and you can also find me on Twitch, at Um Go follow and get notified when I go live, because I am very close on becoming an affiliate. And links for that is also in the description below the episode. So, thank you for want- er, listening to the Witcher Lorecast, and...
1: Stay safe on the path.
0: Thank you for listening to the Witcher Lorecast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can find us on the Ben & Friends Podcasting Discord, where you can share your thoughts, comments, or even experiences with the Witcher Lore. You can also find us on Twitter at WitcherLorecast.